Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Crushing It in Construction podcast, a podcast dedicated to the construction industry where I interview guests from within the industry who share their experience, their wisdom and their insights that'll help you grow either within your career or within your business. So no matter where you are in the industry, there is always something valuable to learn from our guests and their stories. Now, this week I'm having a chat with Jason Ramsey, the Managing Director and Founder of Ramsey Civil, based out of Victoria. And Jason has a really interesting story. He started working in the construction industry pretty much straight out of school and worked his way up on machines and then into senior project manager roles within the companies that he was working for, and he never intended on starting his own business. But one thing led to another, and he decided to go out on his own. It was a pretty scary time. I think he said that him and his wife had just had their third kid, and there he is trying to start this business up from scratch. And it's been a pretty exciting and wild ride so far. So in this episode, we touch on a number of different topics. We talk about the notorious working hours that sort of come along with the construction industry and how that could be potentially putting some people off of coming into the industry. We talk about his challenges getting the business off the ground and some of the struggles that he faced along the way. And all in all, I think there's a lot in this episode that people can learn no matter where they are, either starting their business out or somebody who is really already established. So without further ado, let's get into the episode with Jason. G'day, Jason. Thanks for coming on the podcast, mate. Looking forward to having a bit of a chat with you. Thanks for the invite, Jordan. Appreciate it. So for everybody that doesn't know you yet, could you just tell us in your own words who you are and what it is that you do? My name is Jason Ramsey. I own and operate a small civil construction company called Ramsey Civil here in Victoria. We specialise in commercial infrastructure projects in the small to medium market. So how did you wind up getting into the construction industry? Was it something that you always wanted to do or how did that come about? You have to take it all the way back to high school, I suppose. I probably wasn't the best kid in high school and didn't finish year 12 or anything like that and you know, had to find a job somewhere doing something. So started out you know, mowing lawns and landscaping and stuff like that and then figured that was, that was pretty tough going on the body. So ended up moving over into machinery and sort of like that and followed that path really. So what was your first job in construction? What was it that you ended up doing? First job in proper construction, and this isn't to take anything away from the, the landscapers or anything like that, was a landfill cell. So it was all bulk earthworks, okay. constructing a massive, massive landfill cell. It took us about nine months to dig it all out. And I started in a dump truck, carting loads day in, day out. Then the same job sort of moved into scrapers and dozers. And So did you always have an ambition to start your own business? Did you come from like a entrepreneurial background at all? Or how did that come about? Definitely not. It was never really on the radar. It sort of came about working your way through the ranks, being in construction for 25 sort of years and you get to a point and kind of decide well do I keep working for someone or do I just go and do it myself sort of thing that was the sort of the, the questions that I sort of started to have and then you go through the whys and the why nots and weigh it all up and yeah. Was it a scary decision to make like going out on your own I mean you go from working for somebody else to then having massive lease repayments for machines and all that sort of stuff was it a hard transition to make? Yes and no. I took it with the idea of what's the worst that can happen. I'd go back and work for someone. Never die wondering was probably the other sort of adage we threw in there. Should I have had a crack or should I have not? Scary is probably not the right way to describe it. Planned, put a lot of planning into sort of how it would look in the beginning and what would we do if things didn't work or what would we do if money became tighter or, and it did in the, in the early days. It's, there's lots of hoops and hurdles. And What were you doing in the companies that you worked for before you went out on your own? So like I said earlier, I started in dump trucks and scrapers and dozers and you know, worked my way through and got into graders and diggers and became quite proficient at final trimming and excavators and stuff like that. And then 
progressed into the you know, leading hand roles and then into a foreman and then a site manager. And then the last role I sort of had was a construction manager of a growing company. They had ambitions to grow a lot bigger. Didn't really want to go down that journey with them in that. So yeah, that, that's yeah. probably where I got to in, in my working career for someone. So, I mean, you mentioned to me a few weeks ago when we were having the pre-interview that there was sort of a specific reason that you wanted to go out on your own and one of them was is that you wanted to work less. I mean, was there a specific moment or what was the straw that broke the camel's back and finally made you decide, right, nah, I'm doing it, let's go? Yeah, I thought about that question and I probably wouldn't hold it down to just wanting to work less because that's not who I am. I think it's probably more master of my own domain and being able to pick out the projects that I want to work on or work with. And a side effect of that, you know, is probably free time or my time, whether that's because it's less travel or yeah. the projects aren't as demanding or what the case may be. But yeah, the side effect of it was less time away from the family. I always had a pretty high expectation of myself to work pretty hard and put in and get the job done and strong work ethic. And it sort of started to take a toll on the family life and get stuck in that go, 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 go mentality. And it's very, very hard to pull back from it until you get a tap on the shoulder and it says, hey, you're missing out on things over here. Yeah. So did you end up working less? I mean, how many hours were you doing in the jobs that you were doing before? Oh, so towards the end there, I was leaving home at 4.30 in the morning, getting home at 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, five, six days a week, living away from home sort of thing, working. Early days in the business, it was probably very similar, trying to build something. But having done what I'd done, I quickly realised that I can't do it by myself. I need to build a team. And I think we've done that now. And there's days where I, if I don't want to get out of bed before eight o'clock, I don't have to. But there's days where I still have to get out of bed at four o'clock to go and do something as well, you know? Yeah. I think those long hours, there's obviously times when you're going to have to do that. And there's times where you don't have to do that. In the construction industry, there's a lot of talk around people doing too many hours and too many hours being expected of people. Where you were working, were those kind of hours expected or was that just what it took to get the job done? It was the way the programs were written for the jobs, especially with the large level crossing removals where you're doing massive occupations. You've got 40, 50, 60 days, 24 hours a day. You've got double shifts running, twin 11 and a half hour shifts, even earlier on before. It is getting better. Fatigue management is a major thing in the construction industry now, and it's probably 15 years too late, in my opinion. It's certainly a factor that we consider a lot when we look at a job as well. We're on a project at the moment that's very, very behind and there's a massive push for Christmas and the guys 10, 12 hours Monday to Friday and sort of 8 to 10 hours on a Saturday and, and they're cooked. They're really cooked. You can see it in them and they're walking yeah. around. I mean, we're not seeing as many younger people coming into the industry as we did maybe 20 or 30 years ago. Do you, do you think that those hours has a really big impact on that? I couldn't say either way, to be honest. I haven't seen any data or analysis on why the other people that are staying away. I think that there's more job opportunities in other fields that's easier to get into. And I think the introduction of technology has made finding avenues of employment a lot easier. You and I can probably both attest to, you know, growing up, you'd either go and work for someone you knew or work for your old man or work in an industry that was sort of already in the family. I think today I look at my kids and they can do anything they want. Yeah, I think there's just a shitload more opportunities now than there ever has been before. And this morning, I was chatting to somebody in Glasgow about helping me edit the podcast. Do you know what I mean? So you mm. can hire people from anywhere in the world to do bits and pieces. And the thing we're battling with, in my opinion, is that people can do a lot of different things and still earn great money or good money, 75, 80 grand, 100 grand, doing bits and pieces online. Where's the incentive to work for a company? I think as an industry, we need to figure that out. And let's not sugarcoat it. The construction industry, she's a tough mistress. It's yeah. all high-vis and 
freshly polished steel cap boots. And there's days where it's crap outside and whether you're on a site that doesn't let you work in the rain or you've just got to get something done or... And then the ego of some people on the site makes life tough for others as well, you know, and they're not really accustomed to putting up with that sort of personality, which may be another key contributor as to why young people sort of are a bit turned off. They see the stigma of the construction industry as early and rough and go, no thanks. The last statistic I seen on that was, I think, of the younger people coming into the construction industry, I think only 45% of them or something seen themselves staying in the industry for any more than five years. So it was mm. kind of used as a stopgap until they could find something else. And you're right, the ego side of things in the construction industry, I've experienced it firsthand. And some of the stories you hear from, you know, my brother is a chippy. And some of the stories you hear about what happens to apprentices and shit on sites, I mean, I'd be locked up if some of the stuff <laughs> that I've heard happened to me. I'd be in jail. So yeah, I think we've got a lot to do in terms of the perception that we've got in making that better so that it is more appealing to people coming out of school. I think with civil particularly, there's no real leading into the industry as well, unlike electricians and stuff like that, where they've got the apprenticeships and pre-apprenticeships and traineeships and all those sorts of things. Yes, we have Cert 3 and traineeships in civil construction, but you hardly ever see them. And given the pressures and time constraints and budgets and all these sorts of things that go along with building a project. It's, it's very, very hard to find the time to train young people. We try really hard to put a lot of training into all our staff, particularly the young and inexperienced, but small in the scheme of the industry. You know, it's a very tough thing to manage inexperienced workers on site because yeah. the risks are so great when things go wrong. Yeah. I was talking to, I'm pretty sure Lisa Kinross from the Civil Contractors Federation in Victoria are doing some pretty heavy lobbying to get civil recognised as a trade, no different than a plumber or a, an electrician, which sort of comes back to, to what you were saying, I think. So I think there is a push for that to eventuate. That'd be good. Have it actually recognised so you get the benefits of that for both the employer and the employee. That would go a long way to bridging that gap because, you know, you look five, ten years down the track and where are we going to find concreters? Where are we going to find bricklayers? These are jobs that people just don't want to do because they're so physically taxing. Yeah. And I mean, especially again with civil, like it's not unskilled work. Once you start having to figure out how to deal with GPS or even just simple things like where do you put the receiver on a staff? Like you've mm. got to go up to go down kind of thing. Like all of that needs to be taught. It's not like you can come out of uni and swing on a shovel for three weeks and pick it all up. So I agree. I think there definitely needs to be more of an official thing around training to come into the industry. Definitely. Yeah. So how did working for these other companies and those long hours that you were doing, how did that affect you personally? There was times there where you stopped and had a good look at yourself and went, what the bloody hell are you doing? Reaching burnout is not fun. And once you get to that point where you don't really understand yourself anymore, it's not a nice place to be. And it takes a long time to get back from yeah. that too. What things did you take away from working with other companies before you started your own that influenced the way you run it now? Yeah, uh, well, everything really. <laughs> I guess some good would be appreciating your staff, making sure they get the recognition they deserve and, and they need. If you just keep on going, working through the motions and no one knows if they've actually done a good job or not, it's a very lonely place. Some of the bad, I suppose, would be not setting expectations too high that, that are unattainable for certain people. People management is something that you have to learn. Not everyone has that skill straight off the bat. It certainly took me a long time to sort of work it out 
until I gave myself this little analogy where all the people you have working for you or with you are like tools in a toolbox. You know, they all have a different function or role or a specific application where they're best suited. Yes, a hammer can do multiple different things, but a sledgehammer can do something like this and a chippy's hammer can do something like this. And you start seeing people in that light help focus their strengths in the company and then you can see which tool you need to put in the toolbox next to keep building the attributes of the company. And by understanding people's individual strengths, you're able to put them in a position that actually sets them up for success. Is that what you're sort of saying? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Sets them up for success. The job or the business runs the way it needs to because they're excelling at what they are good at. And then they've got the support of the other tools around them to do the things that they're not so very good at, you know, and it helps them learn the things that they're not very good at as well. I still learn from the guys that work with us now about estimating or software programs or contract admin and all that sort of stuff. There's all these little things that you keep picking up and learning as you go along. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about starting the company. So what are the different stages that you've gone through since you started it? Like, what does that journey look like so far? So I suppose year one and two were me doing everything, estimating, running the job, driving the excavator, digging the hole, setting the invoice in, working with the accountant, doing the taxes and all those sorts of things, paying the invoices. I suppose years three and four, we sort of were on a first foreman, I suppose, who started running the jobs, a couple more labourers to support him. I moved back into the office space a little bit more, more estimating, finding down those processes. Do you mind if we dig into that first employee? Because I know it's always a bit of a funny time, isn't it? Because you go from doing everything yourself where the money you earn other than your expenses for machinery and diesel and all the rest of it is pretty much your own to then having to factor in this other person and you've still got to provide for yourself and all the rest of it. How did that change the way that you approached pricing for jobs? Did it at all? Or was it something that you were factoring in before that first person came on? Because it's kind of that chicken in the egg thing, isn't it? It's like you need the other person, but then that's going to kind of eat into what you're already earning. So it's like you got to invest to get to the next level so i'm just interested to know how you went through that yeah it's a long time ago but i guess i factored in the cost of that person into the project and i suppose once we won the project that could really support that role that's when we made that decision to bring them on timing's an evil mistress as well if that job hadn't have come on and you know we hadn't have won the next one for another six months we may have missed that opportunity with that particular person yeah, so you didn't hire them before you needed them as such. You hired them once you'd factored them into a job. Yeah, pretty much. We've done that a few times, but we also went the other method as well where if there's someone really, really good that's available and you don't necessarily have the workload for them, bring them on, find the work. So what are the plans for the company moving forward? You said that in the beginning you were quite strategic in planning for how the future looked like. What does the future hold? Our next year or two is all about consolidation coming off the last couple of years of things being up and down, building back into relationships with a lot of people that we sort of disconnected from through not being able to get out and have face-to-face meetings with people. You know, Zooms are great, but they get boring very quickly and there's nothing like getting out and having a coffee with people and just talking and understanding their bugbears and what we can do to help them. So that's really our focus over the next couple of years is just to consolidate and be that contractor working with clients that need a service and a quality service. Yeah. Well, this has been good fun. I always enjoy having a chat with you. We always get sidetracked, but is there anything I haven't asked you that you think the audience might benefit from? I had a look at this question. That's probably the hardest question you can ever ask anyone, isn't it? I really can't think of anything. I choose it for a reason. I'm not as silly as I look. <laughs> well, what about, we'll move on to the next one then. 
I always like to end these episodes on a bit of a personal note, just so the audience can get to know the guest a bit better. But is there a weird or interesting fact about yourself that most people don't know? Certainly not interesting. Just a regular guy, just trying to make my way in the world, mate. Weird. I thought about this one as well, and the only thing that I could probably come up with as a weird is my pinky on my left hand is significantly smaller than the one on my right. Oh, what happened? I suppose the backstory behind that is when I was five, the family was living at my grandmother's house on a bit of a main road. I was absolutely forbidden to ride my bike out on the footpath. My mum's always been a stern kind of woman. Sure enough, I was out riding my bike on the, on the footpath and fell off and screaming and carrying on and mum comes out and picks me up by my ears and bashes me around the head and tells me off for doing what I wasn't <laughs> supposed to be doing takes me in the bathroom and starts washing my hands and face and she runs her hands down my arm and then realises that I haven't pierced the skin but my bones are sticking out the side of my arm. So when I've fallen off my bike, I've broken my arm quite badly. Yeah, it required a a fair bit of surgery and and stuff like that. So I think I had two plates and eight pins. So is that why the pinky didn't grow properly? Yeah, so the bone ended up growing over one of the plates and they had to scrape a heap of the, the forearm bone back to get it out where all the growth elements are. So I think he didn't I'm not good with all like blood and bone kind of stuff. You think I would be. My old man was an undertaker before he was an earth mover. But oh, wow. Yeah. That's how he got started. So he got kicked out of school and then the very next day, that's how he got into earth moving was he was digging graves with a shovel and a pick. And then one thing led to another and he got an excavator. <laughs> so it's a, yeah, that's how that happened. Well, this has been good fun. I always enjoy having a chat, mate. Where can people reach out, connect with you online and learn more about Ramsey Civil and just get in touch if they want to learn more? Best place is just jump on the webs and look us up at ramseycivil.com.au. Contact information's on there. It's the easiest way. You guys on LinkedIn or anything like that? Nah. We've always looked at, you know, what, what are the marketing options? Maybe this could be your next podcast. You know, what are the marketing options for construction companies? Do you do LinkedIn? Do you do socials? Our work comes from, from tenders. A lot of focus goes into that as opposed oh, to socials. Don't get me started. This... <laughs> This is my whole domain. You set me up for a big home run, so I can start <laughs> talking about this all day. But anyway, mate, thanks very much for your time. I appreciate you having a chat and have a good rest of your day. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate it. You've been listening to the Crushing It in Construction podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player, and it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave us a five-star review. If you'd like to learn more about employer branding and recruitment marketing strategy, feel free to visit our website at moonshotmedia.com.au or reach out to me directly at jaskinner at moonshotmedia.com.au. Thanks again for listening and I'll speak to you in the next episode of Crushing It in Construction.